basketball season won't be around forever. So get in on all the action now with DraftKings, the leader in one-day fantasy sports. DraftKings is giving new players a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. Claim your shot by using the promo code THPN during sign-up. Playing daily fantasy basketball is simple. Just pick your lineup, stay under the salary cap, and see how your team stacks up against the competition. Feel the sweat like never before. Every dunk, steal, and assist mean more with a DraftKings daily fantasy lineup. Download the DraftKings app now and use the promo code THPN during sign-up. This week, DraftKings is putting you in the action with a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. That's code THPN and you get a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Presented by the Hockey Podcast Network, this is Getting Bullied. I'm your host, Mark Giannone. And I am joined today by my good buddy down in the nation's capital, Dan Silver. Dan, how's the cherry tree doing down there? Duh, everything's great, man. Except we're just getting ready for the invasion of the cicadas to come soon. Oh. I don't know if you've heard about this or not. Uh, I, you heard about big, this? Are they a big deal down in D.C.? I don't, I don't really, yes. I can't imagine. I don't so, even think I've ever seen one in person, to be honest with you. Well, that was, I grew up in Philly, you know, sometimes you'd see a shell on a tree and you'd hear them sometimes. Apparently, so every 17 years, there's a specific brood of cicadas that comes out. They're called brood X or brood 10 every 17 years. And so the last time it happened was 2004. So basically it takes them 17 years to breed or something, or I, I don't know, but this is the year 2021 DC is the epicenter. And from what I understand, they've got little red eyes. They look like like Satan's creatures. Listen to this. For every square foot in D.C., there's going to be 50 cicadas. Get the hell out of here. I've No, I've seen photos from 2004 where people just the, the ground is covered with dead cicadas, cicada shells. It's like literally like like. My spouse, is, she's like, I'm leaving for two weeks. She's like, I can't take it with the bugs. I'm out of here for two weeks. She's going to like go stay with her family for two weeks. It's like, apparently, it's just insane. It, and it happens whenever the ground gets to like a, a square 70 degrees steadily, they emerge from the ground. What? That's like, yep. that's like, uh, it's like biblical, like the old, uh, yeah. About like, oh, I can't. The locust. Yes, it, that was. That's it's like a Hitchcock movie, dude. That is crazy. So, like, it's, know, only, it's only a two-week stint that they, they kind of stick around two, and then yeah, two die? Two four weeks or something. Yeah, and then they, they, they breed. Apparently, they fly around and they want to stick their eggs in a tree. So they, they can't bite, but they have the little thing that comes out of them and they put their eggs in a tree. Sometimes they apparently uh, mistake a human for a tree. And they'll lay an egg in a human, and then you got to go to a hospital and, like, get oh, it, no. get them taken out. But it's no. very rare. No, no, no. Yeah, you might want to leave I for know. a couple of weeks too. Take I'm, the cats right. and right. then pack up, yep. pack up the station wagon and head west. Yeah, anywhere, do anywhere it. but where you. I are. may just drive if the flyers keep going like this. I might just drive into the ocean. Oh uh, yeah, <laughs> I, you know what? I might join you. I just I'll, I'll be a just trailed along behind you. Can pull me right in. Is, is it more? All right, so let me ask you this: What is what's scarier to you, or what's creepier to you? The fact that 
this happens and you're about to live through it or that 2004 was 17 years ago already oh my god i was already <laughs> out of high school at that point no, i was I... I wasn't even out of middle school yet in 2004 yeah scary <laughs> Sorry, it's scary, man. It is. It really is. I, I'm, I've like, I think like the last year or two of my life, I'm really starting to like have that like oh shit moment when you realize like how much time has passed. Where you like, I mean, I could say like, oh, that was 15 years ago, and I was like, holy fuck, that was 15 years ago. I can't believe I've been al- alive long enough to say that was 15 years ago and remember it. Time flies. It's not fun. I'll it's, tell you what. It, um, go ahead. Yeah. No, no. It's it is. You wake up and you're 40. You know. It's just. Ugh, I don't want that. All right. So you ready for more <laughs> depression? Sure. All right. So not only is time flying and we can't stop it, but the flyers are. I don't even. I mean, at this point, I guess sinking isn't the word. They've pretty much. They are as close to rock bottom as I think they've been. Ever I, during the course of my lifetime, I was born in '92. I know those were pretty lean years as well. Those early '90s, right before Lindros came in, and me and you were talking before we started recording this, and you had said that in your time following the team, that this is probably the most disappointing season that you can remember, and I got to agree as well. And I just I still can't wrap my mind around the fact, like or the the situation that they're in. I can't wrap my mind around how we got here as a fan base, how the Flyers got here as an organization. Cause a few months ago, before this season even started, we're looking at it. Me and you are uh, here on this podcast, on your other podcast, just on Twitter. The fans were so excited for this season because it looked like this could finally be it. This could finally be the year the Flyers get over the hump. It looked like they had, you know, they finally had the goaltending in order. They finally, it looked like they had enough talent with all these young guys that we had been talking about for years. It seemed like everything was finally trending in the right direction. And then the season started and it, it started out okay. And then half the team got COVID and it was like after that, everything just went on. This just downhill trajectory. They've never been able to pull the nose up on this thing, and they are—they're—they're just—they're hauling ass quickly, heading towards the ground. And this thing—it's due for a major overhaul, and that's probably what we're looking at heading into the off season. Yeah, I mean, and I wouldn't even—I mean, I'll hit this in a bit, but I—I I don't even think COVID has much to do with it. But you know, I. Let's say I started following this team when I was, I don't know, 11 or 12. So let's say the early 90s. I think that this has to be considered, compared to expectations, this has to be considered the worst season since I've been following them. Because, you know, look, there have been some seasons where the expectations were to get to the Stanley Cup Finals. The Eric Lindros era, you know, those were the expectations. And they got to the Stanley Cup Finals with Lindros. and. You know, and then he had the concussions and you kind of knew, you know, that things might not be the same. Um, They've had some surprisingly good seasons. But, you know, what happened was they brought in, you know, they had some losing years and they bring in Ron Hextall and he's preaching patience. He's saying, "Okay, you know, we're going to rebuild this thing. We're going to stockpile draft picks. We're going to stockpile goalies. We're going to draft all these young defensemen. 
and everything looked great, right? And then, of course, we have the blow-up a couple years ago. Ron Hextall gets fired as the GM. Dave Hextall gets fired. Elaine Vigneault comes in. Chuck Fletcher comes in. And they're really good last year. Like They were legit one of the best teams in the NHL in the regular season. Uh, so everything looks great. It looks like, oh, yeah, Sanheim and Myers, these kids are playing great. You know, Travis Konechny's really taking that step forward. Carter Hart looks great. These kids are going to continue their upward trajectory, and this is going to be the season. You know, this is going to be the season that we really put everything together. You know, one little potential chink in the armor was that in the bubble last year in the playoffs, despite the fact that the Flyers got within a game of the Final Four, um, you know, they didn't look all that great. I mean, they were, you know, given up, they were getting caved in from a shots perspective. And so there was kind of, you could choose to look at this season coming in with the one of two ways. Okay. The real flyers team is the one that played so well during the regular season, or the real flyers team is the one that, you know, didn't look all that great in the bubble. So it was kind of like one of those two things, or maybe it's somewhere in between, right? Well, the reality of this season has been they've looked worse than the bad team that was in the bubble. Like it's it's unbelievable. Yeah. Phil Myers has taken a big step back. Travis Sanheim has taken a step back. Travis Konechny has been pretty good recently, but he's taken a step back. Carter Hart has been abysmal. And in addition to all this, it just seems like there's some divide between not only between players on the team with each other, but between the coaches and the players, you've got Elaine Vigneault coming out with quotes being like, people ask him like, what's going on? You know, how are the players feeling about this? And he's like, I don't know. Ask the players. Like he's, he's got quotes where he's kind of, you know, not being rude, but kind of not saying very nice things about Carter Hart. It's, it's, it's such a strange dynamic and it just seems like such a dumpster fire. You've got national analysts like Nick Kiprio saying that there's a divide in the Flyers locker room between the veterans and the young players. Like there's something fundamentally wrong with this team. A lot of us thought they were going to win the division or certainly make the playoffs. Instead, it's just an unmitigated disaster. And there's not like, there's no clear path to restoring it so you go from a spot where i guess to sum it up it's like i thought that this team was entering its cup window and you know they haven't won the stanley cup during my lifetime but they're gonna win one one of the next few years because everything's coming together now i'm looking at it and i'm like how the hell do we fix this and am i now not going to see a stanley cup for the rest of my life like it's it's just it's it's unbelievable it's really depressing it really is. And to kind of piggyback off of what you said about Nick Kiprios and him saying that there's a divide in the locker room, it almost, I keep going back to that 2012 offseason where they, that was, I mean, really the last time they really majorly overhauled the roster. And that was, you know, that was the year that, well, that was the offseason that, you know, Carter and Richards both went out and you brought in kind of this new core, basically. That was, you know, Voracek comes in, you get the draft pick that gets you Couturier. Shen came in, he's obviously gone now. But, and it was kind of the same situation back in 2012, where you're, you're hearing about that there's just, there was, I guess, a cultural catastrophe, we'll say. Uh, just those two guys and the way that they were kind of, 
going about life uh, off the, off of the ice wasn't really grabbing everybody in the organization the right way. And now there's kind of I don't and, and not to say that this team now is having those same issues as the other team because half of this team is either engaged or married, so they're not going out and getting drunk and finding girls in Sea Isle as much as the other teams were. But I mean, kind of my point is that I, I really think, I mean, here we are 10, 11 years, whatever it is now from, from that off season. And we're kind of going through it, it, it. The more things change, the more they stay the same type deal where here we are, we're about to, I believe going in, we're about to go into an off season where 10 years from now, we're going to say this was probably the most pivotal off season the flyers have had, because I think this season more than anything has really opened the eyes of people in charge with the Flyers and the fan base that these, you know, the players that we all have fallen in love with over the years and the players that we have been sold on as far as the young guys and the draft, the the homegrown Flyers draft picks really aren't what we thought they were going to be. And you mentioned the guys, you know, you mentioned Phil Myers, you mentioned Konechny and Sanheim and Carter Hart. And not to say that Carter Hart is, you know, a, a broken, you know, he's, he's a lost cause because I think that, He's one of the most cerebral players that have probably ever been here, and I think that eventually he'll pull himself, maybe not this season, but going into the next season, he'll pull himself out of whatever the hell's going on with him. But I think that this is this season has really opened a lot of eyes to say that this team just isn't good enough. These players just aren't good enough, and you still, still to this day, I see people complain, it's trying to put the onus on the coaching staff, and they obviously have a lot to do with this. The special teams this year, dating back to last season, has been absolutely fucking terrible. But at, at the end of the day, you just have to look and realize that with this with this core of players, we're going on what, what would be, what's this, the fourth coach that, that this core group has kind of had. So at this point, you can't you can't blame coaching anymore. It's not on coaching. It's on the players because the players that are here just aren't good enough. They're not getting it done. And this is on there are a few head coaches now where it's the same mistakes. It's not playing a full 60 minutes. It's starting off hot and then you come out in the second and lay an egg, lay an egg and then it's, it's over. The game's over and you've shit the bed. And this season has been so much worse. I mean, you're you're getting blowout losses to teams like the Rangers and the Sabres. That's where we're at here. You're below. You're not. You're still above the Sabers overall, but not by much, really. I mean, the, they're not playing well against anybody right now. And there's nothing, as, as far as I see, there's nothing for me to get excited about going forward into next into next season to say this is something we can build on. I don't see much, if at all, that this team can build on going forward. And that's why it's time now more than ever to blow this thing up and bring in a new regime of players to kind of take this thing somewhere else. Yeah, I mean, you know, first first thing I'll say is that there was a very telling moment in Chuck Fletcher's trade deadline press conference on Monday. And, you know, the Flyers didn't do much of the trade deadline. They basically did what? Most people expected they extended Scott Lawton out, which I'm fine with. I like Scott Lawton. Mm-hmm. Um, and they traded away, you know, Michael Roffle and Eric Gustafson, two of their expiring unrestricted free agents. I got low round picks. So they had the press conference afterwards. And Mike Sealski, 
who's a little controversial with Flyers fans. He's written some articles. You know, he's really taken shots at the Flyers players in articles. He's taken shots at Jake Voracek. Uh, he wrote an article that was a little bit negative towards Claude Giroux this week, um, at least saying that the Flyers maybe should have thought uh, hard before they extended him to a long contract a number of years ago. But Mike Sealski asked a question to Chuck Fletcher. He said, you know, Chuck, are there going to be, you know, are you going to be thinking about making any coaching changes, you know, among your coaching staff, you know, during the offseason? And Chuck Fletcher paused for a second and then he kind of looked had this disgusted look on his face and he said no and it was like an emphatic no Mm -hmm. and when i'm watching this the thought that's going through my mind is that chuck fletcher hears this question being asked to him and what's going through his head is that he's like disgusted with how the players have performed and that he's not even thinking about firing any coaches because he just is putting it a lot of it, most of it on the players. That's what was going through my mind. So it was pretty clear that he's not going to be making any coaching changes. And a couple people after that have said, well, what do you expect him to say? Of course, he's not going to say he's going to make coaching changes. But, you know, normally in a situation like that, if, if there's a chance that there's going to be coaching changes made, the GM will say something like, well, you know, we really have to, uh, I'm not expecting to make any changes, but we really have to evaluate every part of the organization in the offseason. Right. right. That's an answer that leaves the door open for coaching changes. But when he just says no, it seems pretty clear to me that he's not going to be making any coaching changes. Like this franchise right now is Chuck Fletcher and Elaine Vigneault. And Elaine Vigneault really likes Mike Yo and Michelle Terrian, despite the fact that the power play is horrible, which Mike Yo runs the uh, um, pet or uh, other way, other way around. The PK mm-hmm. is terrible. Um, which, you know, which Joe runs, Terry runs the power play, but it, it doesn't sound like Chuck Fletcher is going to make any changes. It sounds like he really thinks that the problem is with the players. So you talk about blowing it up. The problem is, is that, you know, we're in a flat cap era where the salary cap is not going up due to COVID issues with not, you know, NHL teams are not getting the revenues they got. So the problem with quote unquote blowing it up is how do you do that? When and we'll get into some scenarios, but you know you're you're fairly close to the salary cap, and you've got two huge salaries in Jake Voracek and James Van Riemsdyk that you know are they're signed for the next number of years. You're not going to be able to make huge changes unless you can trade those those guys. And right now, it's questionable whether or not you're going to be able to offload them mm-hmm. without giving away a lot of assets. So. You know, I agree that I think Chuck Fletcher is going to do everything in his power to kind of make over this team. But there's really only so much you can do. And the fact that they re-signed Lawton is kind of a, you know, kind of sort of a signal being like, you know, maybe they don't want to blow everything up because Lawton has been with this team for a while. And, you know, he's part of the current Flyers culture. But there are clearly some changes they need to make. It just it's gonna be a little bit difficult to quote unquote blow it up, which is part of what makes it all that more frustrating. Yeah. Yeah. I mean I don't know if it's a good or a bad thing or, or how you look at it. Let me ask you this, because I've all I've often thought about this in, in recent weeks. Do they absolutely like is there is it a rule they have to I know some guys have to be protected, but do they have to protect anybody? Like can they just expose everybody and, and let Seattle kind of just take their pick and do what they want. Well, let's talk about the, the expansion 
draft protection list. And so let me pull up real quick here. Um, I posted the timeline a couple times for the NHL offseason because a couple people had asked me about it. So, all right, let me find this. Everything kind of happens in July. So yeah. the, the NHL playoffs are, you know, supposed to be over um, like mid to late July, I think. Hold on, I'm just pulling this up. We'll go over like the, you know, what they're probably going to do in expansion. Um, so, okay. So right now the current NHL list is July 17th protection lists are due for the expansion draft. July 21st is the actual expansion draft. Then the actual NHL draft is the 23rd and 24th. And then July 28th, the the unrestricted and restricted free agent signing period starts. So the Flyers could make trades before the protection list for the expansion draft. But let's assume that nothing is going to change with the Flyers. Here's, you know, who they would probably end up protecting. So you have to, there's two options. You can either protect seven forwards, three defensemen and a goalie, or you can protect eight skaters, meaning a combination of forwards and defensemen and a goalie. Mm -hmm. They'll probably go the seven, three, one route. And, you know, here's what they'll be, you know, you have to protect Claude Giroux. He's got a no movement clause. You have to protect Kevin Hayes. He's got a no movement clause. You know, Sean Couturier, your best forward. You've got to protect him. Scott Lawton. Uh, they just signed him. They're going to protect him. Chuck Fletcher said they're going to protect him. So that's four. Travis Konechny is five. You got to protect to protect him. Um, Oscar Lindblom. You got to think that they're going to protect him, right? He just is coming off the cancer. Uh, he hasn't been great this season, but he's got a pretty good excuse. And I'm pretty sure Seattle would take him. So you got to protect him. That's six. Now you've got one spot left. You don't have to protect a guy like Joel Farabee because he's only played two seasons. So he's not eligible. So your your seventh protection spot is either going to be a guy like a Nolan Patrick or Nicholas Albe-Cubell, like young young kids, or it's going to be a JVR or a Voracek. Well, we've already kind of established that they'd like to get free of Voracek or JVR's contract, so they'll leave him exposed. My guess is that, you know, Albe-Cubell's not been great this year. My guess is that they would use that seventh spot on Nolan Patrick from a forward perspective. However... I'm of the mind that they're going to try and trade Nolan Patrick this offseason. There were rumors they were trying to trade him on the trade deadline. Uh, I just don't think he's a fit in this organization anymore. I don't think he wants to be here. I don't think the organization wants him to be here. I think they might move him on. But but at the moment, he would be the seventh. Then from the defense perspective, you know, three defensemen, you're clearly protecting Ivan Provorov. And then, you know, the, the assumption is you would protect Phil Myers and Travis Sanheim. Neither of them have been all that great this season. Sandheim's probably been a little bit better than Myers, but those are the three you'd protect. And then a goalie, obviously, Carter Hart. You know, Shane Gostisbehere is an interesting one because he's been arguably the Flyers' best defenseman this year. He's had some bad defensive moments, but they all have had bad defensive moments. And he's, to me, he's like shown the most fire. He's been scoring a lot of goals recently. I really like what I've seen from him. They were desperately trying to to trade him in the offseason, and they put him on waivers this season, and no NHL team wanted him. But he's been playing so well recently that they may be able to move him for something if they wanted to. Also, though, I'm not sure that you don't want him back on this team. Like, I like the way he's been playing. Him and Sam Moran 
have been a very good third pairing. And I think Moran brings the toughness that, that this team is kind of missing. So that's going to be interesting. But you, right now, you'd probably protect Provorov, Sandheim, and Myers, and then Carter Hart. You know, I guess to answer your question, like, you have, you know, the guys I mentioned, like, you probably want to protect. Like, mm-hmm. you don't want to lose these guys for nothing. Right. As bad as Phil Myers has been this year, he still has value. Like, you don't want to lose him for nothing. So you are going to want to, you know, protect these guys. But even Nolan Patrick, who is the kind of like the last guy on my list, he probably has some value in a trade. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think, and Charlie O'Connor made an inner, he, he, I was, you know, in a, a conversation with him on Twitter yesterday, and he made the point that he thinks that they're going to make some moves before the expansion draft. So look, this is the fact that Chuck Fletcher didn't make any major moves this year before the deadline puts that much more pressure on him in the off season. He, there is so much pressure on him. He's already said the coaches aren't the issue. He is going to have a lot to do this off season. Not only did he kind of take the, the heat off of the coaches, but he's all, he said it in the, in the press conference on Monday. And then he said it in the press conference. Like it was probably about a month ago at this point that there's, there's just not, there's a lot of players that just don't fit with what they want to do right now. And so that's really, that's, He's taking the spotlight and putting it right on himself, saying that he is a, he's fully aware that a lot of the guys that they have in-house right now aren't the right guys for this organization moving forward. So now he's basically letting everybody know that, look, we, we're going to be making moves. And I, I agree with you. If there is a lot, there's a lot to do in, in one offseason. And I don't. I, I didn't really expect a whole lot to get done on Monday. Kind of w- what they did at the trade deadline with getting rid of expiring contracts like Raffle and Gus of Sydney. I'm always of the mindset that y- you get something for a guy that you're not going to keep around. And that was it was around you know, the same thing that happened a couple of years ago with with Wayne Sims. They knew they weren't going to sign him, so they got rid of him. And just you get what you can. For and the fact that he got anything for Eric Gustafson, I think is nothing short of a miracle because he has been terrible all season for the Flyers. Chuck Fletcher's even pretty much said it at one point. He said that, well, no, he said he was he was as advertised, and I don't know how you make that comment after the way that Gustafson had been playing all year to that point and sleep well at night, saying that he was as advertised and he's been playing like shit. So I don't. That never made a whole lot of sense to me, but I didn't expect them to kind of make franchise changing moves on Monday. And I was happy with what they did because, again, you get what you can for these guys. I was happy with the Lawton contract. I'm not thrilled with with the years. Five years seems like I I didn't really I don't think I realized how young he actually still is. But, you know, five years from now, who the you know, who the fuck knows where we're going to be and what we're going to be talking about. But I, I like Scott Law and I think that he brings he brings a certain edge and a certain aspect to the Flyers that they're obviously missing right now. He's obviously one of the most versatile players they've had in a long time. They can put him in anywhere in the lineup, and, and he's going to just play well. So I like that signing as well. But, you know, like like you said, this is – it's such a huge offseason, but it's also – it's so challenging because of the cap, because of the flat cap, and because – you know the expansion. There's just, there's so much happening in one off season to kind of try to overhaul this this roster, and you mentioned Nolan Patrick. I can't going into the season. There was a there was a lot of there was a lot of hype. There was a lot of expectation for him coming. You know off of the migraine issue from last year that obviously he missed the whole season. 
And he has been just so utterly disappointing all season. It's I, I watch the games and more often and on more than one occasion, I'm I find myself going on to the Flyers website or or on the app or whatever and trying to figure out is he even like a couple times it was like is he even in the lineup? Because there's there's games where he's out there and it's like he's making zero impact. He's just out there skating around like he doesn't want to be there. You said it perfectly. I don't think he wants to be here. I don't think the Flyers want him here anymore. The fans don't want him here anymore. This is just another pick that, you know, at the time it was a no brainer. It was a two it was a two player draft. It was Nico Heischer and it was him. And the Flyers are going to take at at two whoever the Devils didn't take at one. And unfortunately, they ended up with Nolan Patrick. And it just, I never got good vibes from him from the start. I never really, there was always something about him just listening to him talk, watching him play on the ice. It never really seemed like he was fully invested in in, in what he was doing and in progressing his career. I saw somebody, I saw you responded to this tweet. Uh, I can't remember for the life of me remember who said it, and they said something to the effect of it doesn't seem like Nolan Patrick has too much interest in having an NHL career. And to me, that made perfect sense. Like I knew exactly what that person was talking about because every time you listen to him talk, every time you watch his demeanor on the ice, he just seems like a guy that just says, fuck it. I don't, I, you know what? I really don't care what's going on right now. I don't care how bad this team is. I don't care if you think I'm playing bad. I don't think it doesn't seem to me like he's tried to do too much to progress his game and make him make himself a better player and make the players around him better. I just think the Nolan Patrick quote unquote project that I've been calling it for two years now, I thought I didn't want to bring him back even this season. I thought they I thought just based on how they played last season going into this season that they had outgrown the Nolan Patrick project and I didn't really see him fitting on this team and he obviously hasn't and I you know if they protect him fine but I to me a Nolan Patrick trade this offseason cannot come soon enough yeah I mean you know I've talked about him a lot I don't want to do it a ton a ton but a couple things about Nolan Patrick right like for I am not a I've never gotten a good vibe from him. You just never, he just comes off as arrogant to me. Now, again, seems like a here's the thing. Here's the thing. Exactly. Here's the thing. I am not a Flyers insider. I'm not a Flyers beat reporter. However, I do have conversations with various Flyers beat writers. And I, you know, I can't say who, but multiple different Flyers beat writers and people who are around the locker room have said to me, you know, off the record, that you know that, that there are issues with Nolan Patrick in this organization. That when Nick Kiprios makes a comment like there's a divide between the Flyers veterans and the youth, he's talking about Nolan Patrick and Travis Konechny and their relationship with some of the older guys to to a lesser extent. Konechny, I would say it's more Nolan Patrick. He doesn't look like he wants to be here. Um, you know. It, I just, I don't think, I think that he's the main guy I would say that I am very confident is going to get moved in this offseason. And I can't say this stuff on Twitter without getting assaulted by people, you know, saying, you don't know what you're talking about. And, you you know, it's irresponsible of you to say this stuff. But when there's smoke, there's fire. And there's there's enough people that are backing up my gut instinct with with actual 
you know, things that they hear that are going on around the organization that I just, I don't think the guy, I, I, I don't think he wants to be here. I thought, I think he wants to play in Western Canada. And I think his play is indicative of that. Um, you know, going back to the draft, here's an interesting thing is there's an article that was written before the draft by Grant McCagg, who's kind of a known draft pundit. And he, he talked about how he said it is not, it is not without much deliberation that I finally decided to move Kale McCarr into the top two of my draft rankings and drop Nolan Patrick to third. So this is a pretty big draft pundit who was saying that McCarr was the number two prospect that year. This was before the draft. And there's some inter- very interesting quotes in this article. It's an April 6th article uh, called Meet Your McCarr, King Patrick, a play on words like Meet Your Maker, King Patrick. Right. <clears throat> there's, I just want to read you a few quotes in here from you. Here's a quote um, from a Eastern Conference WHL head coach on Nolan Patrick. We faced Patrick quite a few times this year. Nothing against the kid whatsoever, but what I saw this year and what our coaching staff saw last year are two different players. No question he's a player, smart and everything, but I'm not seeing what everybody talked about last year. I saw him play against Moose Jaw one night, and he was downright lazy. When he has the puck, he's fine, but when he doesn't, I've expected more. Here's a scout from a team picking in the top 10. He's not the greatest kid, I don't think. I don't know if he's a great teammate either. That's what I've heard. Maybe just a little bit about himself. <laughs> well, this is from scouts before the draft. Also, what I heard was that the Flyers' draft room was split. That there were scouts that wanted them to take Kale McCarr or Miro Heskinen instead of Nolan Patrick. And Ron Hextall was adamant that they were going to take Nolan Patrick. So, you know, when you say that it was a slam dunk, I thought that too – until I kind of heard from a couple of people that that wasn't the case, that they actually were thinking about McCarr or Heskinen. So that kind of may, obviously makes it worse. But, you know, Hextall wanted to take Nolan Patrick, and here we are. And I think they're going to have to move on from him this offseason. Uh, so, you know, just a couple of interesting tidbits about Patrick. That's crazy. I didn't even know. I, I've never heard the, those quotes before. But, it, I mean, it seems pretty pretty on par with what's going on right now. Um so now we're kind of looking, I guess, to the off season a little bit, and I I feel like, you know, with except for last year, I feel like the last like five years of watching the Flyers at, to this point in the season is looking ahead to the off season and seeing what they could do to, to make this team better. And you know, I've already said that I think this is this is obviously a huge off season for the Flyers, and the biggest concern or the biggest. Uh, thing that they should be looking at this offseason is getting Ivan Provorov a, a a top pair guy to go with because they've tried literally probably everything under the sun at, at, at this point this season with everything they've had in-house. They've put basically everybody on that top pair with, with Provorov and tried to make it work. And, you know, just obviously no, nothing is really uh, caught on. Provorov hasn't even been that good himself this year. So, obviously, going into this offseason, the big name that everybody wants, that everybody's talking about, is Dougie Hamilton. And for the Flyers to make that happen, to bring him in as a free agent, they would have to unload one of those big contracts that we've already talked about in Boracek or uh, or Van Riemsdyk, which obviously is not easy to do. Maybe you get some sort of 
you know, handshake back alley deal with Seattle that they take one of those guys and you fucking send them, I don't know, a bunch of fucking draft picks and prospects to just to get rid of that money and free up some space so the Flyers have some freedom to do the stuff they need to do to make this team better and to get to get out of the basement of the NHL that they're obviously currently in. But outside of Dougie Hamilton, I, I saw you um, going back and forth with people. Now Seth Jones is picking up a lot of steam as far as, you know, if if not Hamilton, then maybe he's a guy that the Flyers could bring in. You uh, brought up on Twitter that I saw right before we started to record this that a couple of interesting ties to Philadelphia, one being that his dad is an assistant coach with the Sixers, which I had no idea, and I'm a huge Sixers fan, so tells you all you need to know about me also and probably more important that him and you share a birthday so there's options out there for the flyers quite obviously this offseason it's just about moving the money around to get you know to make the move significant enough to make this team better so i saw you had you had a good uh you know you're always putting your the uh the spreadsheets out there and kind of pr- projecting lineups and the one that I thought was hilarious was uh was Ovechkin on the top on the top line that would be awesome obviously never gonna happen but that was just it's fun to it's fun to fantasize so outside of Jones and Dougie Hamilton I mean what are you looking at mostly for obviously defense is the biggest issue but are there names out there that people probably aren't talking about that they should be that are not I don't want to say likely but they're more attainable for the Flyers to get uh, this offseason? So, yeah, so, you know, we haven't even really talked about, like, okay, what was the problem with, what's the problem with the Flyers this season? And it's sort of an overwhelming conversation to have because there's so many problems. But it does seem like the main problem is that Matt Niskanen retired and Chuck Fletcher didn't adequately replace him. You know, we thought maybe Phil Myers could take that spot. He's been a disaster, meaning that, meaning a right-handed top-pair defenseman to play with Ivan Provorov. So, you can almost look at it and see that there was a trickle-down effect from not having a guy to play with Provorov and that that has basically ruined the team from a defensive perspective this year. So clearly, the most important thing on Chuck Fletcher's agenda this offseason is finding a bona fide, number one, right-handed defenseman to play with Provorov. So how do you do that? There's a couple options. You could sign a guy in free agency. The only obvious top-pairing right-handed D-man uh, would be Dougie Hamilton, who's probably going to command between eight to nine million dollars a year on the open market. He's with Carolina right now. He's a big right-handed defenseman. He's good offensively. He's good defensively. He's not overly physical, which you know some Flyers fans might not like, but he's just a very, very good hockey player. So to 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 sign him again, like you said, you're going to have to move a JVR or a Voracek. Now, Voracek's contract is so bad. He's got $8.25 million left for the next three seasons after this season. JVR has two years left at $7 million. Neither of those contracts are all that appealing. You know, I said, well, maybe you give a team every single one of your draft picks to take Jake Voracek, like from this year, all their draft picks. Sounds ridiculous, right? But like... We have to move one of those guys. So Chuck Fletcher is going to have to figure out what is it going to take? What do you have to give away? Do you have to like trade away a Morgan Frost just to get a team to take a Voracek? I don't even know if the other team would do that because it's such an albatross of a contract. So, you know, these are the considerations. They're going to have to find a way to do it. Are there any other 
free agent defenseman who, you know, you wouldn't have to trade to get. Well, one guy that some people like is Adam Larson. He's a defensive defenseman who plays on Edmonton. He's not really going to help you much offensively, but he's very good defensively. Um, you know, he's kind of like a younger, uh, more talented version of Justin Braun. I think that you probably want to try and get a better all-around player to play on that top pair with Provorov. Uh, but Adam Larson is kind of like maybe a fallback option. If you don't get anyone else, he'll probably cost between 5 to $6 million. Also, if you get a Hamilton and somehow you end up losing Phil Myers in a trade, it wouldn't be the end of the wor world to get Larson to play on the second pair, to have Hamilton and Larson. Those are, you know, in my mind, the two best unrestricted free agent defensemen. Now you get into the guys. Let's say that Hamilton re-signs with Carolina and, you know, Larson, you know, whatever. Then you still need a top-pairing defenseman, even if you can get a guy like Larson. So then the question is, okay, who do you trade for? So there's a couple guys that are possibilities. Uh, two guys that have been mentioned already this season, Ryan Ellis on Nashville, who's probably one of the best defensemen in the league, very underrated, um, and John Klingberg on Dallas. Uh, two very good defensemen, good offensively, good defensively. Ryan Ellis would be like a perfect fit because he brings some snarl. He's, he's injured a lot, but um, he's just a very good defenseman. The problem is, is that you got to trade for these guys. Like, who knows if Nashville is going to want to trade Ryan Ellis? He's their, you know, top best or second best defenseman. Same with the Dallas Stars. So a lot's going to kind of ride on what happens in the NHL offseason and seeing how these guys perform and how their teams perform. So those are two guys. And then the guy, you know, we've been talking about recently, Seth Jones. Seth Jones is a really interesting case. He's on Columbus. I'd say a couple years ago, he looked like one of the best defensemen in the league. He's kind of fallen off a cliff from a – there was a debate yesterday on Twitter because his analytics, his advanced stats, and that's, you know, like how many shots are being produced when he's on the ice compared to when he's not on the ice. You know, his advanced stats have been horrible this year, like third-pairing defenseman type. And so there's been debates of like, well, man, is he actually that good? It's a valid question. There's some good articles out there on Seth Jones right now, but he's extremely athletic. He's very good offensively. He's kind of a flashy defenseman. As you mentioned, his dad is the assistant coach for the Sixers. And most importantly, he shares my birthday, October 3rd. So a lot of stuff going for us there. And here's the other interesting thing about Seth Jones is that he's a unrestricted free agent at the end of next season. So what that means is that Columbus, if Columbus doesn't think that he's going to resign with them at the end of next year, then it is in their best interests to try and trade him, you know, while his value is still high. Ryan Ellis has got a ton of years left for Nashville. You know, he's got like six or seven years left. John Klingberg is in the same boat as, um, as Seth Jones. He's an understated free agent at the end of next, next year. So Klingberg and Jones might be kind of like the two most interesting guys from that perspective because their team's may want to move them if they don't think that they can resign them. What do you have to give up to get a guy like that? So if you want to get a Klingberg or a Jones, you're probably going to have to start the conversation with the young defenseman. I'm guessing maybe Phil Myers, maybe Travis Sanheim. One of those guys is going to probably have to be involved. You may have to give up a Travis Konechny as well. And, you know, because they're both unrestricted free agents at the end of next year, you might not have to give up 
more than that. If you don't want to give up Konechny or the defenseman, you're going to have to add in prospects and a pick, you know, Phil Myers, Morgan Frost, and a first round pick for one of those defensemen could be something you're looking at. Um, but again, if you're going to do that, you know, you also are going to have to move some salary out. So there's a lot of considerations there. But for me, that's where your offseason starts is you got to either figure out a way to sign Hamilton or you got to trade for, I'd say, Klingberg or Jones are the two realistic ones. Ryan Ellis is going to just cost a ton. But so that's kind of where, for me, the offseason starts. Yeah, I, I agree. And I question... Uh, you know, honestly, I, I question Chuck Fletcher a little bit, and I question maybe not his ability. I, th- I think that's maybe a little harsh, but I, I, I question if he's creative enough to kind of get a deal like that done. I think, I think where the Flyers benefit this offseason is, is by and large, this the players on this roster aren't quote unquote Chuck Fletcher guys, meaning he didn't, you know, have anything to do with bringing them in, so he doesn't have that. Uh, he's not looking at the roster like a parent would, you know, type deal where you, you know, you brought these guys along, you scouted them, you drafted them, you've brought them along in their NHL career. So you have a, a different investment in them emotionally than, than, uh, than most would. So I, I think that helps the Flyers in the sense that he's not going to, I don't think he's going to be going into, to trade discussions with, with different teams and talking, you know, talking about the players that he, that, other teams want from the Flyers. I don't think he's be looking at it as you know too emotionally and, and wanting to keep a guy and, and saying no to a deal just because he still believes that a guy may develop into something that he pro- that he may never develop into. Um, I just I, if you look back every time I look back at, at past Chuck Fletcher trades that he's made both here and when he was with Minnesota, you know there, there's not a whole lot there to kind of say to kind of put a ton of confidence in my mind to say that. Okay, he could probably get a move or two done this offseason that'll make this team better. I'm not expecting as much, you know, I said earlier about blowing it up and and it's probably that probably wasn't the best term to use. I'm not expecting the Flyers to come in next, you know, next season with a completely revamped roster and and you know, 90% of the guys that are here now won't be here next season, but I, I expect significant moves, and I think you do. I think the fans do. I think we deserve them because, as I've said, what they're doing clearly isn't working. I think there is, and probably when you said earlier, what's the biggest issue with the Flyers? I think, to me, I think the biggest issue with the Flyers is I think that they are an organization and they are a team that has no direction and no identity. For so long, you knew exactly what you were getting with the Philadelphia Flyers. You knew what they were bringing to the table. You know what type of types of players they were going to be looking for off season to off season, and more importantly, the, the coming to the Flyers I think used to mean something from a national perspective. It 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 seemed like every off season, no matter what the name was, how big the name was, how big the money was, whether it was realistic or not for the Flyers to sign them, they were still in the conversation. And the Flyers are no longer a de- I don't think they're no longer a desired uh, destination for for big name free agents. When you talk about a guy like Dougie Hamilton, you know, does he really want to come here with this team that's you know, really still rebuilding? I mean, this is a guy that, you know, he's one of the better defensemen in the NHL. Why? You know, he could have his pick of anywhere he wants to go 
what really do the Flyers have to offer him? Obviously, right now they don't even have the money, and not even just Dougie Hamilton, but any significant free agent. You know what? If you're an outsider looking at what's going on right now, you why would you ever want to sign here? Why would you want to sign long term? a long-term contract to come here because I don't, th- this isn't the same flyers that it was 15 years ago. I think the flyers organization as a whole is just lost. I think it's gone very quote unquote corporate. I don't think there is, you know, whereas before there was Ed Snyder, there was one guy that everybody knew was running the show and you knew he cared because he was the guy that started it all. And I think right now it's just a bunch of names. It's a bunch of suits that are just kind of like, well, we're selling a bunch of tickets and we're making a bunch of money. It's really all we fucking care about. If we win a Stanley Cup, great. But, you know, at the end of the day, we're in Philadelphia and they're probably going to support us no matter what. We're still going to be selling a lot of season tickets. So I think to me, that is the biggest issue with the Flyers this season and the last few is they don't know who they are anymore. They are lost. They they are a, they are a, a nameless, faceless organization that's just rolling along and and trying to figure it out and they're not and a once proud franchise i believe has just gone completely by the wayside and it's just i don't know i I, quite frankly it's pretty embarrassing to watch them and i just i hope they could pull themselves out of whatever rut they're in and and start to turn things around here as far as an organizational wise this season's a loss but they need to find out who the hell they want to be going forward yeah, I mean, one of the, you know, one of the things that people have been talking about is how this organization used to be a destination for free agents and people to want to come to. And now it doesn't seem like that, right? Like now it's like, oh, Artemi Panarin wanted to go to the Rangers and Sergei Borovsky wanted to go to the, the Panthers and, you know, and different players want to go, you know, Alex Peter Angelo didn't want to sign here. He wanted to go to Vegas. You know, there's like, it's not quite a destination, which is going to make it that much more interesting to see what happens this off season. You know, does Dougie Hamilton have interest in coming here? You know, it's they're right. That is going to be kind of they've got to they've got to remake. You know what this franchise is, and when you look at these quotes, if I'm a player in another team and I'm playing against this team, which gives up it seems like on a nightly basis, and you see these quotes from Elaine Vigneault. Like, do I want to go to Philadelphia? I don't know. It just makes, just is going to make Fletcher's job, you know, all that more difficult. So it is, it is not easy. And, you know. Yeah, I mean. Should we get to uh, some yeah. questions? Soon? Yeah, yeah. I don't have them up in front of me. I assume, I'm hoping you do. Yep. Very cool. Yeah, I do. We've got, you know, we had a lot of good questions from our listeners. So I'll just start reading them down. Uh from our good buddy Bill Leonard, just a true gentleman, says, Hi, Dan and Mark. A two-part question. Who goes, Jake, JVR, question mark, to free up cap space? How many new names do we see on the 22-man roster at the start of next season? Thanks. Looking forward to the listen. Well, Bill, thanks for the question. Um, I think that the likeliest scenario is JVR because he makes a little bit less than Jake. and. He has, you know, he only has two years left on his deal as opposed to Jake, who has three. So I just think it's going to be so hard to move the Jake contract that I think they'll try to move Jake. I think he's the one they'd prefer to move. But if it's not possible, it's going to have to be JVR. Obviously, they'll probably try and move Ghost. One of those three guys, I would say, will certainly be moved, if not two of them. And how many new names on the 22-man roster? That's a good question. 
I'm going to say, uh, I think there could be some guys, some young prospects, some guy that we may see on this team next year that aren't on the roster right now. I'll say uh, five new guys on the roster for next year. It's actually exactly the number that popped into my head when I heard that question. Um, so I, I, as far as Voracek and, and, and uh, JVR are concerned, I agree with you. I think that they prefer to trade uh, Voracek. I think he's just kind of grown a little bit stale here. The guy, he's been here forever. He's been, uh, you know, a great flyer, but, you know, they're always, see, you know, things always have to come to an end eventually. And then, like you said, I think it'd be easier to trade JVR. I would rather them. You know, from just for me, I would rather them keep JVR. I think, you know, this is a guy that this season, like the first half of the season, he was on fire. He was tearing it up. It seemed like, you know, every other game, seemingly, he, he was scoring another goal. And, you know, much like everybody else on the team and as the team as a whole, the you know, things have kind of calmed down and he's come down to earth a little bit but I think that you know I think that the first half of the season when he was kind of lighting the world on fire it was a good sign and I think that you know the guy's got scoring touch in him still so obviously I'd rather keep him as opposed to Voracek plus he makes a you know getting rid of Voracek clears up a little bit more space but either way it's going to be tough next question from Clarky at uh, Clarky Teacher he asks, assuming the Flyers draft in the 5-15 to 15 range and don't trade the pick, who are a couple of draft targets you could see them selecting? Another one, what does it cost to ensure Seattle takes one of JVR Jake? The Flyers are going to need that cash for the right-handed defenseman they so desperately need. So i got to be honest, I just haven't really looked at the draft enough at this point to, to come up with that. When we get closer to the draft, uh, you know, we'll certainly be talking about that, but I just I, I don't know at this point. I think you want to try and take the best player available, but uh, we'll see. By the way, it's a kind of a shame that the Flyers are so bad and they're probably, you know, might end up picking outside of the top 10. But we'll see. Uh, what does it cost to ensure Seattle takes one of JVR or Jake? Again, I think whether it's Seattle or it's another team you want to trade them to, I think you're going to have to give up. You're going to have to retain some salary. And I think you're going to have to move, you know, first round pick and or prospects, good prospects to get a team to take on that salary. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, the Flyers, from that perspective, the Flyers are lucky that they have such a uh, such a good pool of prospects that you're obviously they're not all going to make the roster at some point. So they have a little bit of freedom there that they could get if they really and I assume they do if they really want to get rid of that contract. They have the guys prospect wise that they could throw enough at a team and some draft picks to make that happen it's just you know again it takes two to tango so the other team has to be willing to to take on most of that salary the flyers i can't imagine the flyers be able to get rid of the whole thing in one shot but that'd be great but i think they are i think they're in a bit of an advantage there where they have a good enough prospect pool that if they really wanted to put a deal together to get rid of either of those guys i think they could be able to do it Justin Cameron at JCJ Cam says, time to start talking phantoms and prospects. Lots of RFA, UFA need new contracts after the season. Should lower our contracts from 49. Which are you thinking re-sign and which does Fletcher walk away from? That's an interesting question. So, okay, so I've got it pulled up. Let's look at the guys who are, the contracts are up at the end of this year. Carson Torensky, I think they'll re-sign him. Nate Prosser, 
I think he's gone. Derek mm-hmm. Pouliot, probably gone. German Rupsov. Interesting. One. I think he may be gone. I think he may be gone. We'll see. He's a former first-round pick. He's playing in Russia right now, but I, I don't see an NHL future for him. Linus Sandin, I think they'll re-sign. Pascal Laburge is an interesting one. I think they may let him go. David Kasha, they'll re-sign him. Andy Andreoff, they seem to like him. They might re-sign him. Connor Bonneman, I'd say they'll re-sign him. Uh, Felix Sandstrom's going to be an interesting one. He just hasn't come along as they'd hoped. I think they'll re-sign him, but we'll see. And that's really it for the notable guys. But I do think that that there's an opportunity for a lot of these guys to be on the Flyers next year. You know, Cam York just recently signed his contract. Mm-hmm. He should get some games with the Phantoms down the stretch. He could get some games with the Flyers down the stretch. I think he'll he could have an impact on the Flyers next year. Um, Yegor Zamula has been injured a little bit this year, but I think he could get some Flyers time next year. Zade Wisdom and Tyson Forster, two 18-year-olds who the Flyers drafted in the most recent draft, have both been really good with the Phantoms this year. We could see some of them with the Flyers next year. There's a lot of possibilities for young kids who could, who, you know, could could break with the team next year. Tanner Lazinski and Wade Allison for sure, I think, could make the roster next year. So, yeah, so that that should be interesting. Yeah, it will be. Um, of the names that you mentioned there, I think that you mentioned Felix Sandstrom, and I, I was thinking about him earlier in this uh, episode when we were doing this when you were talking about uh, Ron Hextall. You know his his draft philosophy when when he was here, and you know grabbing a bunch of goaltenders. And I remember, you know, just two years ago, we we're talking about him, and I thought to this point in time, uh, just in his progression, that we would kind of have Hart as the starter, Sandstrom as the backup, and it really, I mean, obviously, it hasn't happened. And you know, he's kind of since coming over to North America, he's kind of. His game hasn't really translated, I guess, as much as the Flyers would hope. I hope he could pull it out because I still, you know, I th- I think he's got a ton of talent, and I think if they could, you know, if if the Flyers could have, if their one and two goalies are both guys that they kind of groomed and brought along and drafted, I think that says a lot. And, uh, you know, it would just be fun to see. Pulling for him. Next question from N8DKIN at NateTheDad27. Hi, Dan, fellow frustrated Flyers fan. Do you envision a trade where we bump, dump an unwanted contract for another unwanted contract from another team? Situation where a change of scenery may benefit both players. I, th- I don't think Chuck is going to want to do that. Uh, you know, especially, you know, yeah, I, th- I think that, um, I think that, that they're going to be trying to, to move Jake or JVR and add in a lot so that we don't have to take back an unwanted contract, you know, unless you're talking about like a Johnny Goodrow, who I think he's got one year left and is a guy that, uh, you know, I, I, the Flyers certainly wouldn't think of him as unwanted. Um, so, but yeah, I think that, you know, I think that really they're going to be trying to, move those guys and free up salary. I don't think they're going to want to get back salary. Yeah. And I think I know, you know, I know Goudreau is probably going to be getting a lot of conversation just from fans in the off season. Cause obviously the local ties just, I mean, it, I agree with you. I mean, if you're going to be trade, if you're trying to trade these, you know, either one of those contracts, it, I guess looking at it from the perspective of, 
wanting to bring in a guy, change the scenery, maybe that gives him a spark, you know, is one thing. But I think that there's a good enough free agent pool right now, or this all, there will be a good enough one this offseason that it, it serves the Flyers much better to, to try to just offload that and not bring as, you know, a ton of salary back in and, and free up the space and, you know, just bring in a, a new guy off the, uh, off the market. Mud at M Kelly five six nine eight. Do you think this team is something that can be fixed, or do you think it is time to just fully blow it up and restart? Well, unfortunately, as we kind of talked about, even if we think that it needs to be fully blown up and restarted, it's just not something you can do in today's day and age. Like you can't just get rid of all the players. If you want to get rid of Jake Borchek, you know, to come hell or high water, you've got to um, eat his, you know buy out his contract, which is going to cost you a lot of money down the road. Kevin Hayes and Claude Drew have no movement clauses. You literally cannot move them. So unfortunately, you can't just blow it up and restart. You've got to try and do your best to to fix it by, you know, moving some guys out. You're going to have to keep some guys. It's that that's what you kind of left with now. Yeah, it comes down to the creativity of the general manager. I mean, you don't want to get yeah, it's it's one you know it's easy to to just sure they could just buy out Jake Voracek and then pay him like the fucking Mets are paying Bobby Bonilla for the next forty five years or something crazy like obviously not that long but it just really uh, the whole thing comes down to how good is Chuck Fletcher and the last you know couple of years him being here has been more about tweaking a roster that he was uh that he inherited from the previous regime. And now it's really going to be about putting his stamp on this roster, making it his own. So uh, I think, you know, we've already talked about it, but he's got a ton of pressure on him. Don't envy him at all. Uh, I would take his job strictly for the salary, but not for the responsibility, obviously. But we're about to see this offseason, you know, just kind of I don't expect him to totally revamp the team, and you know, turn them, you know, turn this thing totally over overnight. But we're going to start to see kind of what Chuck Fletcher is made of and, and what, you know, what he's going to be able to do for this team. Z at Z Pendrack asks, aside from Dougie Hamilton, what or who should be the Flyers' biggest target during this offseason? So we talked about the defenseman. You know, we talked about um, Klingberg and Jones and Larson and Ellis. So I'll just say there's a forward I'd like them to go get. And I'd wanted them to go after two guys from Detroit, Anthony Mantha and Tyler Bertuzzi. Well, the Caps, this trade deadline, traded for Mantha, so that's not going to happen. But Big I'd like trade. to see the Flyers go after Tyler Bertuzzi, who's you know 26 years old. He plays a really rough and tumble game. He's He can score, too. He's sort of like a Travis Konechny, who's maybe a little bit um, – less talented from a scoring perspective, but is is better from a hitting and toughness perspective. So I'd like to see them try and get um, a Tyler Bertuzzi. I think he'd be a great add to kind of shake up the uh, the second line. And so that's what I'd be looking at. You might have to give up a guy like Konechny or one of the defensemen. Um, but, you know, aside from forwards, or aside from the defensemen they have to go after, that's a forward who I'd like to see them go after. Yeah, I think that, you know, I think he would fit in well here at Tyler Bertuzzi just because, you know, kind of like we already talked about, there, this is a team really right now that doesn't have too much of an identity. And that he definitely brings an aspect to the Flyers that they're, I think, severely 
lacking right now. So I, you know, I'd be all, I would be all for that. And I, you know, Konecki is a guy that I've obviously, you know, I've been a big fan of since his time here. Uh, I think maybe, you know, I, I have no, I have no ties to anybody that's, that's on this roster. I don't give a shit who they get rid of. You know, nobody that they get rid of is really going to break my heart. So if they have to get rid of a guy like Konechny or, 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 you know, a Sandheim or something to really bring in, bring in somebody that's going to, you know, just, just to, not make a move just to make a move, but you know, if you're getting, if if, it, if the deal is good enough, I'm not married to anybody. So I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll do, uh, you know, I would do that. Bertuzzi is a good player. I would bring him in. He brings a, a, a different aspect of the Flyers that they don't have. I'm all for it. Lord Arthur Charles, Wigginstown Shire, Scotland at Orange Street. Wow, that's Boy, quite a handful. What a name. Yeah. Asks, is it the Flyers' two-way style that is causing players to struggle? I mean, I guess he's asking, is it, you know, that they've got an aggressive four check, I guess. I, I don't know. I, I, I would say, I don't really know what their style is right now. It's almost like a zero waste style. They don't yeah. play offense. They don't play defense. They don't do shit. So I don't, I don't really think it's any kind of coaching style that's causing them to struggle. I, I, I really think it's, it's the fact that you don't have that top pairing defenseman and, You've got a lot of guys just playing below their potential for whatever reason. Yeah, um, yeah, I agree. I think that I think it's just it's between the uh, the ears, as they say, with a lot of the players. I think a lot of the players have already checked out. I think that shows on the ice. The last few games have just been. I mean, look, all you got to do is watch it, and you you can tell very clearly that majority of the players on this roster right right now do not care, and they're just counting down the days until this season's over. So, okay, Josh at Josh and Wit Josh says the Flyers need an identity. What should they focus on? A defensive mindset like the Islanders, a physical mindset like the Caps, or a speed game? Hmm. Man, I don't know. Yeah. I, they can't focus on anything right now. I, I'd like them to get back to playing like they were last season. And the identity was that they were a very good forechecking team who caused turnovers and, you know, was, was playing physically and they've really gotten away from that this year, but that's what I'd like them to do that. I'd like, and if you can add a really good top pairing defenseman and you can add a few, you know, tough, fast wingers like a Bertuzzi, it's something you can kind of get back to. So I'd like to see them get back to what they were doing successfully last year. Yeah. I mean, see, that's the thing. Like, it's not like, it's not like they were a bad team last year. They they obviously have a blueprint internally, uh, something that worked for them. Obviously, it didn't you know it didn't result in the ultimate goal, but it was something to build on. And and th- that's what makes this season s- that much more disappointing is the fact that they had such a good year last year, and there was a lot of good things to build on. And all the things that were there, they've just completely shit the bed on. And they've. They've just done a, a total 180 from where they were last year. So, you know, I, I, Vino's not going anywhere. I don't think, excuse me, I don't think that there could be maybe uh, like a shakeup to the coaching staff. But by and large, I think I think they'll all be back. So just going back to what worked before and getting the players to buy into to that system, because I, I think given their play on the ice for one reason or another, maybe the players... I don't know. I don't know. I don't want to make speculation. They don't like the coach or whatever, but 
there is a blueprint. The Flyers have had they had success, obviously, last year under this coaching staff. So just go back to what was working. And I think it's more about getting the players to rebuy into what they're doing than it is, you know, having to revamp totally their system and 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 start something new. Ryan Tannenbaum at 18 T-Baum asks, is Jack Eichel to Philly a possibility? I don't think so. I think that Jack Eichel wants to play in New York or Boston. And I think that he's probably going to get traded this offseason, but I think it's going to be to one of those teams. Yeah. I Again, I, first of all, that's not even Jack Eichel's uh, Twitter handle. I just tried to click on it. Nothing came up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Again, the Flyers, like, we, like I already said, I, they're not Philadelphia is not a big name in the hockey world right now as far as where people want to go there's the you know the, the biggest problem not the biggest problem but another big issue the Flyers have going against them right now is that the Rangers are an up-and-coming team and I despise the city of New York I would never want to live there or play there but I'm in the minority there a lot of people want to be around New York they want to be in that city so the the better the Rangers get, the more the Flyers are going to be hurt by it because, you know, people love New York and people want to play there. So the Flyers have to do what they can to make themselves to make Philadelphia a destination again. But it's hard to compete with those bright lights of Broadway. Tom Sloan, good follow of our show, asks, at Major League Tom asks, what do you give up to get Seth Jones? And then what do you fill do to fill the holes? Like if TK is sent. What happens on wing? If Sanheim and or Myers are part, what happens on second pair? So, yeah, so we talked about this a little bit. I mean, to get Seth Jones, I think you're going to have to trade definitely one of TK, Sanheim, and Myers, maybe two of them. You're going to have to trade a first-round pick, and you're going to have to trade a prospect like a Zamula or a Frost or something like that. So I'm not still not all that concerned about the forward depth. I think Lindblom's going to rebound next year. I think you've got guys like Wade Allison who might be able to step it up and and become a third line player. So if we've learned anything this year, it's like not about accumulating a ton of really talented, skilled players. Like if you, if your third line has a guy has guys that fit into your system, even if they might not be as talented as Travis Konechny, well, it might not be a huge issue. You know, the defensive question is a little more pressing. If you trade Sandheim or Myers, you know, what are you doing with the second pair? I guess you're either hoping that Cam York is going to be ready to be an NHL D-man next year, which you don't want to count on. So you may have to sign a second-tier defenseman-free agent, like an Adam Larson or something like that. Mm -hmm. But I I think that you've got to make the trade first and then worry about filling the holes because you cannot go into next season without a bona fide top-pair D-man. Yeah, totally agree. I mean, you can't... yeah, you're right. You just have you got to get the player in here. You obviously know what your needs are, so you got to get the player in here and then work around it after that. Like you know, we've talked about numerous times. The Flyers have a good prospect pool. They have a ton of them, so it's you have them for a reason. You you need these guys. If a trade like that happens and you need these guys to step up and and start playing a significant role on the team, then so be it. That's what you have to do. That's why you brought them in. You didn't draft them for nothing. You obviously saw NHL potential in them when you selected them and have kept them on throughout their career to this point. So if there's a deal, you know, if there's a deal on the table that the Flyers feel work for them, do it because they they need a top pair defenseman more than they, you know, more than they 
uh, need Travis Konechny as, as a forward right now. I think that's pretty obvious. Noah H. at Phenomenal First. Who is the most important player players the Flyers need to acquire in the offseason? So, you know, we've talked about this ad nauseum. you got to get the top pair D-man. you got to mix up the forwards a little bit. Here's another thing we didn't talk about, but you probably need to get a different backup goalie. I like Brian Elliott, but you probably want to upgrade that spot, um, you know, a little bit in the offseason. And Alex Appleyard, really, who's been on our show, great guy, had um, he had a, a good quote, a good tweet yesterday where he was talking about who the Flyers should go out and get as a backup goalie. The names he mentioned were Yaroslav Halak, Matti um, Ranta, Philip Grubauer, Linus Allmark, Jonathan Bernier, and James Reimer. So, you know, I, I think we didn't talk about it, but I think you probably want to try and upgrade your backup goalie. Yeah, I mean. Brian Elliott has been huge, you know, since he's been here. And first couple of years, it was, you know, kind of hit or miss. He had the injury issues, but he's been a, he's been an outstanding backup for Carter Hart. He's been the perfect guy for Carter Hart to kind of learn under. And, uh, you know, just that veteran guy in the locker room for the uh, for the young kids to uh, to be around. But, you know, father time waits for no one and he's undefeated. So you'd you would they've gotten. They've gotten significant playing time out of him this year because, you know, just because of how bad Carter Hart's been and how bad the team's been and everything like that. So you would rather, as good as Brian Elliott's been, you'd rather bring in, I, you know, you don't want to bring him back another year next year and, and that be when he starts to fall off. So you kind of want to get ahead of that. And the names you mentioned, you know, if you could get a guy like Halak in here, I think that'd be great to go with Carter Hart, especially, you know, it's just another solid backup of, you know, of Hart. Not has a, a year like like this year, but if he you know kind of hits a little bit of a rough patch here and there next season, you have a proven guy that's uh you know that's that's won some big games in the past to kind of back him up. So yeah, I, I'm for something like that. Okay, got a few more left. Vinny at Vindog ninety eight, love it. Says you kind of laid it out the other day, but outside of Dougie, who are some good top pair D men that would move the needle for you? So we kind of talked about this. Um, you know, we, we covered this one. You got Klingberg, you got Jones, you got Ellis, if you're going to try and make a trade or, you know, Adam Larson as a signing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, we, we went over a couple of times. The names are out there. It's just about, you know, they got to get the, the cap space to do it and hopefully they can do that. Uh, let's see. What do we got? Oh, and then Manny Benavides, who has got his own show, does a really good job at Manny Benavides. He's a good follow. Says, other than Hamilton or Ellis, who is a top pair D-man, the Flyers could realistically target. So, you know, as you can tell, this was really the theme. And uh, we, you know, we covered that one off. Yeah. there's always. I feel like every time we do these questions, there's always a, an underlying theme that everybody wants to know. Very like-minded fan base we have. Yep. And then the last question was from all politicians are evil at don't step on that. And he asks, why should the fans believe in a career loser GM who only has a job because of nepotism? All right. Well, I don't think that that's the only reason he has a job. I think he's a smart guy. I think I liked what he did in his first Flyers offseason. I don't like what he did in his second Flyers offseason. And I think that this offseason is going to be the telling one. Yeah, I agree. Could, could not agree more. I mean that the offseason when he brings in Niskanen and um, and Braun, 
good. Good moves. Obviously paid dividends for them until Niskanen just up and retired uh, abruptly. Said it already. This is, you know, he before he was just tweaking an inherited roster, and now it's time to put his stamp on the Flyers and 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 kind of build them in his image, if you will, if you want to get biblical with it. Um, so. Yeah, this is this is a, you can't understate it enough just how big of an of an offseason this is, not only for the Flyers organization, but for Chuck Fletcher, because if we're having this same conversation a year from now, you know, if next April 15th, 2022, we're having kind of this same conversation, then, you know, then it's on him at that point, because he's had at that point, he will have had enough time to make this team better and if he doesn't at that point then you know you got to start looking elsewhere so that's all the questions (laughs) doesn't it just like it shouldn't be as exhausting as it is to talk about a sport it's it's not only exhausting it's like there's not a lot of optimism right now it's all about i don't even want to watch this team play anymore this no no neither do i and you know i I totally get it. Like, it, it, I was thinking about this on my on my ride home from work. That if 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 it wasn't for like, if it wasn't for me doing this show, I don't even think I would have like less than zero interest in the Flyers because, I mean, like at least when the Sixers were losing on purpose, you kind of saw like, okay, there might be a light at the end of the tunnel, and they were bringing you know when they were fucking taking. When they were drafting in the top three for like seven straight years, you you know you saw something happening. I don't like the Flyers right now. Like, there's nothing to excite the fan base. Like, even like you you try to get excited about the off season, and you're still just like, yeah. But there's so many caveats that go in that have to ha- that like have to go in to them, or sorry, for them to have a successful off season. Like, the, the biggest issue is they don't have the money. So until they can free up cap space and nothing's going to happen anyway so it's just everywhere you go to try to look for optimism it's like you're just getting smacked in the face by a brick wall it's very very depressing i don't like one one nice thing from a money perspective is that the flyers do have a couple things i'll say is that first of all they've got 2.5 million coming off from Andrew McDonald's buyout is over and David Schlemko's buyout is over so that's 2.5 million they're getting back then Carter Hart's extension is not going to be as much as we once thought because he's not had a great year. And Travis Sanheim's extension is probably not going to be as much as we thought. So there, there is some good news from the money perspective because I, I think that you know they could have a little bit more money to work with than we thought. They're certainly not going to have to pay Nolan Patrick. I think they're going to trade him, but he's a restricted free agent also. So those are some good things there. Yeah. I, and that's what I like about you. You're you're the eternal optimist. I think you're always looking for the silver lining in all of this. Um, Got it. Tonight they're playing the Penguins, and they're playing an old friend, Jeff Carter. Is it or not tonight? What or is it, what is today? Yeah, tonight. What? Tonight. Yeah. Okay. The the app is messed up then, and it says it's still Wednesday. I never know what day it is. But yeah, so tonight they're playing the Penguins and Jeff Carter. Is it? I don't think it's like I saw people. Um, I, it looks like on Twitter, some people still think it's weird to like see Jeff Carter in a Penguins jersey. I, I gotta think at this point, he, he I could see him more as as an LA King than I do him as a Flyer. I don't think it's weird at all him being with the Penguins. He's been gone so long. I mean, he fucking won what two, three Stanley Cups out there. I don't know who to root for 
this season in the playoffs. The Penguins with Jeff Carter and Ron Hextall or the Caps with Michael Roffel. It's going to be a tough one. Uh, yeah, I, I can't. I can't. Yeah, that's rough. I can't. I can't go with Pittsburgh. I don't like. <laughs> Did the idea of Ron Hextall and Jeff Carter winning the Cup together again just kind of? I don't know. It amuses me. You know, we just at this point as Philadelphians, you we just. I think it. most of us want things to just pile on. You know, we just yeah, want to wallow I mean, in as point, much like, misery as we can. It would, yeah, I mean, what's a little bit more? It's just going to make, like, when you event... I've always, like, I, I tell this to my brother all the time. He's not, like, a huge... He's a big Phillies fan. Doesn't really watch any of the other sports, but he kind of came in as a Phillies fan in, like... He's 25, so it was, like, right before 08 when he really started to, like, follow and watch baseball. And he doesn't really even remember that World Series that much. And I tell him, like... And I say this to a lot of people. And people think I'm, like fucked in the head for but like sometimes you just have to like revel in the negativity you just kind of have to accept it and live in it and feel it because when you finally come out on the other side when you're like it's the old Shawshank Redemption thing when you just fucking when you climb or when you crawl through this just this pile of shit and you get to the other side it's very liberating it's it feels great so just live in the negativity pile it on because when this team eventually does win a stanley cup in 30 years when i'm in my 50s uh and you're you've long been retired to some private island that you're probably gonna have then we'll remember times like this and we'll just be like you know whatever so ron hextall and jeff carter won a stanley cup in pittsburgh and then they and then they broke it all down who cares at least we got one now so I hope I'm on a private island someday. That sounds really nice. I hope I am. I, you know what? I hope for that too. For you, I'm not. An One of my person. bosses just had his thirtieth um, wedding anniversary with his wife, and he literally rented out an island in Florida for like a week. And I'm what? like, man, that's pretty awesome. <laughs> so he's got like stupid money. Yeah, it's like, you know. <laughs> for like me and you it's like hey we rent we, like yeah we got this like penthouse suite for like a weekend or a week in like fucking wherever this guy's renting islands he's running like land private that's big that's big money is he an athlete pro, pro athlete no but he's kind of like a rock star so lucky 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 well good for him and good for you on your island whenever you get there alright Dan <laughs> <laughs> uh I'm very sleep deprived. If you if people want to talk to you on Twitter, where would they do that at? They can find me on Twitter at dsilver88. Uh, you can argue with me there. I'll put up some controversial opinions, but they'll always be my honest opinions. So uh, yeah, find me on on Twitter at dsilver88. And uh, in addition to this awesome podcast, I also do the at O and B podcast podcast, and uh, you know. On that podcast, maybe sometimes we have guests on that do more NHL stuff. Um, and, uh, you know, I think this is a great, you know, we just do flyer stuff. I think it's great. So there's a couple different podcasts there. Yeah, definitely give that a listen. It is a it's a great one. As for me, you can follow me on Twitter at Mark Flagman. That's with two ends. You can follow the show at underscore getting bullied. You can get this and every episode of Getting Bullied through the Hockey Podcast Network. They're at HockeyPodNet on Twitter. Literally, anywhere you get your podcast, just go type in Getting Bullied, and we're going to pop up, and you'll be able to listen to us anywhere you are in the world, especially Scotland, to our friend the Lord that sent the uh, the question over to us. 
This is usually when I tell everybody to enjoy their life and let's go Flyers, but nah, uh, let's not go Flyers because they've I think they've they've done enough to for us this year. But I still want everybody until we speak to you again to enjoy your life and the weather's getting better. So go out and enjoy yourself and enjoy yourself. <laughs>